Please turn your Bibles with me to Psalm 95. We're going to have a reading of the psalm in the Second Assembly. Psalm 95. There's 168 hours in a week, and we shouldn't begrudge the Lord giving Him a few extra minutes of worshipful praise. Amen. We're going to read together in unison in a moment, just like we do. The 95th Psalm, I want you to understand that it has two sections. The first half of the psalm down to the, through the sixth verse is praise to God our King, as it describes Him in the third verse. And then from verse 7 through 11, it is a description of the wickedness of the generation of Jews that God brought out of Egypt who provoked Him in the wilderness by saying they couldn't take the land of Canaan because there were giants there. Whatever the Lord has told us to take and to do, and whatever is written for us, let's do it. Because when God swears in His wrath, it is too late for you. And He does swear in His wrath. Remember, God swore in His wrath that He would kill every one of that generation by causing them to wander for 40 years until their carcasses dropped in the wilderness. They said, we repent. We will go up and take the land. Moses said, well, I'm not going with you. So they went up and they got whipped. And they dropped their carcasses in the wilderness. Moses and Aaron and Miriam included. And only two men, Joshua and Caleb, made it. But that's enough. My comments will be very, very brief but I want us to read this psalm in unison. Let's stand together as we worship the Lord. Psalm 95. O come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto Him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God, and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. The sea is his, and he made it. And his hands formed the dry land. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Today, if ye will hear his voice, harden not your heart as in the provocation and as in the day of temptation in the wilderness. When your fathers tempted me, proved me and saw my work, 40 years long was I grieved with this generation and said, It is a people that do err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. Unto whom I swear in my wrath that they should not enter into my rest. Amen and amen. You may be seated. The Lord Jehovah is a great God, and He is a great King above all gods as we read in the third verse. Things could be said about that sentence, but we'll pass over it. 
I want you to realize that it des- as it describes his creation of the sea and the deep places of the earth and the strength of the hills that his hands fashioned the dry land. And then in verse 6, which is in agreement with verses 1 and 2, it's all about praising him for the greatness of his creative works. But our God is more than our creator. He's our heavenly father. And as we read from Psalm 149, he delights and takes pleasure in his children. Please don't get too enthusiastic in answering my question. Are you tired of having to slave for a living? You should be. Are you tired of having to slave for a living? Your Heavenly Father, who is the Creator God, the King of the universe, wants you to be able to rest and retire so that you can dedicate yourself to Him and enjoying the gospel dispensation and enjoying heaven. Verses 7 through 11 describe a rest for the people of God. Do you know what the life was like in Canaan versus the life in Egypt? What, what did they do in Egypt? Was it a six-day six work week in Egypt or was it eight? I think it was eight. Did they help you with the building materials for the pyramids or were you to scrape them up and the more you complained, the, hard, the farther you had to go to scrape up the building materials for the pyramids? Does it tell us about all that? Yep. Did they work hard in the land of Egypt? Did the sighing by reason of their bondage come up into the ears of their father in heaven? Did he get their back wages? They, they, could, they took as much as they could carry. And it says they spoiled the land of Egypt. Does, is the Lord good? Is the father good Amen. to them? Okay. Did he have something even better than that for them? Did he take them to a land flowing? What, what was that expression about a prosperous land? A land flowing with milk and honey. Is honey sweet? Is milk nutritious? Does it require bees and beeves with a V to have all that? The Lord blessed them abundantly. Did they get the city walls already built? The houses already furnished? The vineyards already planted? I referred to this earlier today. The wells already dug? Was it all there waiting for them? Come in and possess it? Is this Bible a book of progressive revelation? Is the things that God gave the Old Testament pretty pitiful compared to the things He's given us? Did He give Israel as a special sign one day out of seven off from work because they had worked so hard in Egypt? The Sabbath was a special gift to Israel only. No Gentile ever observed it before or after. No one had ever heard of it before Moses in 1500, a after creation. You say, but I can read about it in Genesis chapter 2. That's because Moses wrote Genesis chapter 2. Don't get too excited. No one else had ever heard of the Sabbath. It was a special sign to the Jews to have one day out of seven for their beasts and for them to rest. Was there another rest? Yes, there was the rest of Canaan. Hebrews chapters 3 and Hebrews chapter 4 are God's commentary on the second half of this psalm. Did Joshua take the land of Canaan sometime before Psalm 95? So if there's another rest for the people of God, then it wasn't the land of Canaan, was it? Okay. I want to show you the two most important words, and in the King James Bible, there are three words. And they are in verse 7. And they are in the second sentence of verse 7. The first two words are one word in the way we would spell it, today. Today does not mean a 24-hour period of time. Today 
is the day of salvation. Today is the gospel age and era. Today is the gospel dispensation. Today. Now, if you just blow through your psalm reading, you're going to get into verses 8 through 11, and you're going to say, I know what verses 8 through 11 are talking about. Yes, that generation that came out of Egypt, they hardened their hearts, they provoked God, and God swore in His wrath, and He wouldn't let any of them into Canaan. But you're missing the best part of the whole passage. You're missing the part of the passage that the Apostle Paul makes a great deal about in Hebrews 3 and 4, and it's two words, today, and then that next little word is the most important word of all, if. How can if be important? If ye will hear his voice, harden not your hearts like that generation, because there remaineth a rest to the people of God. There is a third rest. It is not the set. Hebrews 3 and 4 go into detail explaining what I'm telling you right now. It's not the rest of the Sabbath. That was for the Jews anyway. It's not the rest of the land of Canaan. All that land flowing with milk and honey, houses, vineyards, wells, walls, furniture. It's not that. It's this right here, right here, right now, for 2,000 years, being able to worship the Lord Jesus Christ with no works to get to heaven, no animal blood to shed. 700 commandments that have been kept perfect by the Lord Jesus Christ for us. It is rest. It is the gospel rest. God finished the works. Jesus said it is finished, and it's finished. We get to just live as his children in prospect of another Canaan that's coming. And oh, the next Canaan is going to be better than flowing with milk and honey. Milk and honey sounds sticky and sweet to me. The Atkins diet diet doesn't even allow them, either of them. Heaven's going to be a whole lot better. But that's not the rest of Psalm 95. The rest of Psalm 95 is right here. I want to tell you that this God that we're worshiping, who is the king of verse 3, and he's a great king above all gods, and he is such a fabulous creator that he's got the deep places, the hills, the sea, and his hands form the dry land. He delights in his children. He takes pleasure in doing things for us. And so he sent his son to earn us rest. And today is the gospel dispensation. And if means there is another rest. There is a third rest. It is not the Sabbath. It is not Canaan. It is the gospel. Today, if ye will harden not your hearts, humble yourself before this great king, thank him for what he's given to us through his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, and let us enjoy the land of Canaan in this earth. Let us enjoy the rest of the gospel. May the Lord bless Psalm 95. He is a great king, and he's a loving father, and he's blessed us abundantly. Mark Crosby, Austin Ole, Colin, and then Jerry, in that order, those four brothers. Luke chapter 19. Luke 19 for the parable of the pounds. We'll start in verse 11. And as they heard these things, he added and spake a parable, because he was nigh to Jerusalem, and because they thought that the kingdom of God should immediately appear. He said, therefore, A certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And he called his ten servants and delivered them ten pounds and said unto them, Occupy till I come. But his citizens hated him and sent a messenger after him, saying, We will not have this man to reign over us. And it came to pass... 
that when he was returned, having received the kingdom, then he commanded these servants to be called unto him to whom he had given the money, that he might know how much every man had gained by trading. Then came the first, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained ten pounds. Amen. And he said unto him, Well, thou good servant, because thou hast been faithful in a very little, have thou authority over ten cities. And the second came, saying, Lord, thy pound hath gained five pounds. And he said likewise to him, Be thou also over five cities. And another came, saying, Lord, behold, here is thy pound, which I have kept laid up in a napkin. For I feared thee, because thou art an austere man. Thou makest up, thou takest up, that thou laidest not down, and reapest, that thou didst not sow. And he saith unto him, Out of thine own mouth will I judge thee, thou wicked servant. Thou knewest that I was an austere man, taking up that I laid not down, and reaping that I did not sow. Wherefore then gavest not thou my money into the bank, that at my coming I might have required mine own with usury? And he said unto them that stood by, Take from him the pound, and give it to him that hath ten pounds. And they say unto him, Lord, he hath ten pounds. For I say unto you, that unto every one which hath shall be given. And from him that hath not, even that he hath shall be taken away from him. But those mine enemies, which would not that I should reign over them, bring hither and slay them before me. Amen. Please turn to Mark 12, um, verse 28. The context of this is where the scribes, um, well, the... They were the Sadducees were questioning the resurre- resurrection, um, and then afterwards a scribe came and asked him a question, and uh, Jesus basically told him that the first and greatest commandment is uh, loving the Lord with all your heart, and that it's um, more important than any sacrifice. Right, that's right. That's it. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, "Which is the first commandment of all?" And Jesus answered him. The first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master, thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but he, and to love him with all, thy, with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, and with all the strength, and to love his neighbor as himself, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Amen. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly, he said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. Amen. And no man after that durst ask him any questions. Turn with me to Luke 18. Starting in verse 18, reading through verse 30. And a certain ruler asked him, saying, Good master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said unto him, Why callest thou me good? None is good save one, that is, God. Thou knowest the commandments, Do not commit adultery, do not kill, do not steal, do not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother. And he said, All of these things have I kept from my youth up. 
Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, and distribute unto the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. And when he heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. And when Jesus saw that he was very sorrowful, he said, How hardly shall they that have riches enter into the kingdom of God? For it is easier for a camel to go through a needle's eye than for a rich man to enter to the kingdom of God. And they that heard it said, Who then can be saved? And he said, The things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, Lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house, or parents, or brethren, or wife, or children, for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time, and in the world to come, life everlasting. Amen. Turn to Luke 10. I'm going to start at verse 1 through 12. This is the where the Lord has sent out the 70 as lambs among wolves to where he was going and uh, he had commanded them there was two different reactions he, they were going to receive one of them was going to receive them and what they were saying and the other ones weren't and they were to have two very different responses to them as I was reading this last night and thinking about it I was just trying to bring it to, to life for me a little more to me and I you know, the thing ends with them saying that it would be more, it's going to be, for those that don't receive it, it's more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah, for Sodom in that day, right. than it will be for those of us that, that, who don't receive what uh, they were preaching. Yes. And I would just ask each one of us, and I ask myself, is, you know, if the disciples, if the 70 were to come to us, would they, would their peace remain with us, or would they, would they wipe the dust off their feet? And we have to individually ask ourselves that. Starting at verse 1. After these things, the Lord appointed other seventy also, and sent them two and two before his face into every city and place, whether he himself would come. Therefore said he unto them, The harvest truly is great, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into his harvest. Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. Carry neither purse, nor scrip, nor shoes, and and salute no man by the way. And into whatsoever house ye enter, first say, Peace be to this house. And if the son of peace be there, your peace shall rest upon it. If not, it shall turn to you again. And in the same house remain eating and drinking such things as they give, for the laborer is worthy of his hire. Go not from house to house. And into what and, and into whatsoever city ye enter, and they receive you, eat such things as are set before you. And heal the sick that are therein, and say unto them, The kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Amen. But into whatsoever city you enter, and they receive you not, Go your ways out into the streets of the same and say, Even the very dust, even the very dust of your city which cleaveth on us, we do wipe off against you. Notwithstanding, be ye sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come nigh unto you. Amen. I say unto you, 
that it shall be more tolerable in the day in that day for Sodom than for that city.